and folk rock group from Ukraine, Teen Sonsia, with a song called Yichale Kozake, which translates as Riding uh, Cossacks, and also translates, uh, or is an alternate title for this tune, is Slaves Are Not Allowed in Paradise. Vitaya vas vsih shanovni radio suhachi na radio peredachu nash holos radio krinsko ho korinya. Hovorit pavina diaku yushtori shole perebutizimnoyu nastupnu hudenu. Hello there and welcome to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm your host Pavina. Thank you so much for joining me. We've got a great program lined up for you today. We have, as usual, news from Ukraine, courtesy Ukraine Today, as well a book review. Uh, this is a, a review of two novels, uh, the original and the sequel, and it is a political thriller written by a Vancouver author. And it pretty much predicted uh, what is going on in Ukraine right now great gift-giving idea, or just simply as a treat for yourself if you haven't read it yet. As well, we've got a little bit of a commentary on the U.S. election outcome and how it may be perceived uh, by Ukraine's nemesis. So stay tuned for all of that. We've also got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is a group from Ukraine called Khrushchi and Pavuchok. Життя своє, лай, 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 
Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ChochenkoFoundation.com. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is a bi-weekly series sponsored by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, featuring stories of Ukrainians and Jews working together in solidarity and harmony to restore and strengthen centuries-old bonds and affinities nearly destroyed by hostile outside forces in the bloody 20th century and even today. Tune in next week for another episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio.
British rocker by the name of Nikki Rubin, who spent many years in Kiev on the nightclub scene. And that was his signature song, which he has recently uh, redone the lyrics as well as the arrangement. And that, of course, being Ukrainian Kiss. Vyslouchejte Radio Predaču Náš Holos, Radio Krínskoho Koríňa, Pomeraži PCJ Radio. Jaká patriaci vám anglickou mluvou z Britanskou i Kolumbii v Kanadí. Hovorit Pavlina. You're listening to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio on the PCJ Radio Network, coming to you from Vancouver Island in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. I'm your host, Pavlina. Now, the latest news stories from Ukraine, courtesy Ukraine's first international English news channel, Ukraine Today. 54 attacks have been reported by Ukraine's ATO headquarters in the past day. Three Ukrainian soldiers have received injuries. Russian-backed militants don't stop shelling peaceful villages. After a direct fire, a 30-year-old resident on Novorodsk village died, according to TSN news agency. Separatist forces were also firing into residential areas of Marinka. A five-floor building and two private houses have been damaged, as well as a local store left in ruins. They have also used grenade launchers against a checkpoint of Mayorsk, where dozens of cars were waiting in a line, two of which burst into flame. Luckily, nobody was hurt there. Small arms, grenade launchers, armored fighting vehicles and machine guns have been applied by Russian proxies around the Donbass conflict zone overnight. The villages and towns of Taramchuk, Krasnohorivka, Talakivka, Stanitoluhanska and Krymske have been the epicenters of provocations. The Ukrainian troops have been shelled 50 times by Russian-backed separatists for the past 24 hours, according to Ukraine's ATO headquarters. Five Ukrainian soldiers are reported wounded overnight in the Donbass conflict zone. Militants have applied artillery and banned mortars almost along the whole front line. The Mariupol area remains a hotspot. There, 31 cases of a ceasefire break have been recorded. In Shirokin, Talakivka, Vodyane and Hnutove, the pro-Russian mercenaries engaged 82mm mortars and infantry vehicles. The Donetsk direction has seen 10 provocations. Machine guns and 82mm mortars were used by the occupant forces in the village of Luhanske. The outskirts of the city of Avdivka were also a ground for militant shelling. Mortars, machine guns and firearms were used there against the Ukrainian army that had to return the fire. Nine combat clashes have happened in the Luhansk direction. Machine guns and mortars were used to attack the Ukrainian defenders in the towns and villages of Novozvanivka, Novoloksandrivka and Novotoshkivske, as well as in Stanitsa Luhanska and Krymske. 52 militant provocations overnight. Ukraine's ATO headquarters has reported about five Ukrainian soldiers have been wounded over the past day. Russian-backed separatist forces resumed their fire in the area of Sitlodarsk-Bolch, where there have been no attacks for two months. 
32 cases of a ceasefire violations have been recorded in the direction of Mariupol. Traditionally, the most intense shelling has taken place in the suburbs of Mariupol. Militants have applied mortars, grenade launchers and machine gun fire. In the Luhansk sector, Russian proxies have attacked 12 times. In the Donetsk sector, 8. Enemy snipers were firing into Ukrainian army positions in Stanitsa Luhanska. Armored personal carriers have been active in Krasnohorivka and Shirokine. Marinka and Vodyane were shelled with 120-caliber mortars. Three civilians were injured yesterday when residential neighborhoods of Marinka and Krasnohorivka were shelled by militant forces. Russian-backed militants opened their fire into Ukrainian army positions with Hrad missile systems and cannon artillery in the Luhansk sector. Missile shelling also took place in the area of Krymsky village. In general, Ukraine's ATO headquarters has recorded 47 breaches of a ceasefire for the past day in the Donbass conflict zone. Novo Oleksandrivka, Stanitsa Luhanska and Orikhove were attacked by separatist forces as well. The situation hasn't changed in the Mariupol direction. It remains a hot spot on the ATO zone map. Shirokine, Marinka and Pavlopil were shelled with grenade launchers and 120-caliber mortars. Militant fire damaged many residential houses and gas pipes in the village of Vinohradne. 600 buildings were cut from gas supply. On October the 19th, Russian-backed proxies released and transferred to Ukrainian representatives 23 prisoners from the jails under militant control. It happened three days after the Donbass warlord nicknamed Motorola was murdered. Among those 23, 11 are the criminals who were sentenced to a life imprisonment, as Ukrainian counterintelligence says. During an interview with the prisoners, we determined they had been forced to fight in illegal formations of the so-called separatist republics. The prisoners themselves helped to identify the mobilizer to convict's army, Savchuk Oleksandr, the so-called prosecutor for correctional facilities of the Donetsk People's Republic and previously a deputy chief of the Yanakiva Panel Colony. He became the one who assigned lifetime prisoners and dangerous criminals to serve at the front from the separatist forces. This is the first sign that militants were looking for nothing more than cannon fodder from inmates from local jails. The Ukrainian army learned and witnessed in the Avdivka industrial zone. In April 2016, Ukrainian soldiers saw people from the other side dressed in civilian cloth digging trenches. Some of them were wearing prison garb. They were prisoners dressed in civilian clothing, looking like they were not afraid to die. These prisoners were caught up as hostages in the town of Shirok. Released from where? From prison. Sentenced for what? For theft. More often than not, prisoners with the life-term sentence were asked to fight. These prisoners have nothing to lose. From our colony, two were taken to the front. Eleven convicts were transported from the Yanakiva Panel Colony, which is located in the occupied part of Donbass. At least another two were used by militants as soldiers, convict Strelchuk and convict Verilan. Separatists forced them to go, fired guns into the prison's gates. 
Strelchuk, who fought in militant formations against the Ukrainian army when he returned to prison, he spoke about his fighting service. I talked to Strelchuk. He said that when a Grad missile system arrived, it was all computerized, getting location coordinates for launch and fire. Both militant prisoners returned to the Inakiva prison a year later. If to be more exact, separatist forces returned them. And they are not the only ones, and not the first, who exchanged their freedom for killing Ukrainians. The number of prisoners among militants is not a secret for the Ukrainian intelligence. About 30% may be involved. I would not fight. I've killed enough people. Now the future of 23 prisoners, including 11 life-term convicts, is in the hands of the Ukraine's judiciary system and Ukrainian taxpayers. Ukraine's border service reported seizing a Russian drone which was drifting in the Sea of Azov. The drone Orlan-10 is a multifunctional unmanned aircraft and was produced in Russia. The aircraft can reach an altitude of 5 kilometers and travel 120 kilometers away from its ground control station. The Mariupol Sea Guard spotted it 3 kilometers out at sea during regular monitoring of the area. Currently, the device is being examined by experts in order to retrieve further information about it. The Office of President's Commissioner for Rehabilitation Assistance for Ukrainian Servicemen Wounded in Donbass Area is to be established in Ukraine. The initiative was announced by the Ukrainian military, who had taken part in the annual marathon of the U.S. Navy in Washington and was supported by Ukraine's president during their meeting. The office will be headed by a sanitary instructor of the 128th Separate Mountain Infantry Brigade, Vadim Suridenko, who lost limbs as a result of frostbite, but not his moral courage. The military, who underwent a social rehabilitation in the U.S., want to implement the gain experience in Ukraine. The president called it an example of efficient cooperation between Ukraine and the NATO countries in the provision of medical assistance, prosthetics and social rehabilitation of servicemen. Through a system of NGOs, the presidential administration will give you power so that your voice can be strong and effective. You are proving that Ukraine's army can be a powerful force. An underground bunker with a massive arsenal of weapons, including missiles, mortars and anti-tank mines, found in a private house just outside Kiev, has turned out to be a warehouse for an online store allegedly selling deactivated weapons and inert ammunition. The property's owner says these searches have happened before and accuses prosecutors of stealing a lot of his belongings. As media report, the businessman has already had problems with the law. The fact they withdrew the ammunition is okay, I understand it. Why would they exempt a pneumatic gun and call it a combat one? Under court's decision, prosecutors conducted the search last week. Later on, the man called the police and filed a report that law enforcement agency workers stole his belongings and damaged the property. Now almost all the shelves in the warehouse are empty. Gennady Konyev says the same event took place last year. Then police withdrew weapons from his warehouse and later returned them. This time they withdrew everything. However, he didn't receive any notification on the items confiscated. Law enforcement agencies suspect the homestead's owner of producing and selling arms. According to their version, this warehouse contains equipment to manufacture weapons and reject any suggestions of stealing his belongings. 
Hinati continues that everything in the garage is for sale. The man has a store in Kiev. It was searched as well, but nothing found. The prosecutor's office invited him for an interrogation with documents authorizing his rights for the weapons. However, Hinani didn't appear at the time. According to some media, in August this year, a court of the city of Nizhen found him guilty of the illegal selling of combat guns and sentenced him to a five-year imprisonment. However, Inadi bailed himself with $12,000 and appealed the decision. Now, experts have to examine the confiscated weapons and deliver their verdict. The last monument to the Soviet leader, Vladimir Lenin, in the Zaporizhia region was finally pulled down. According to the activists, this Lenin was hiding in the village of Novoselivka. A demolishing crew arrived at the monument late at night, tied a rope around it and easily tugged it down. The local authorities didn't call the police. On the contrary, they now have to explain why the monument hadn't been dismantled under the recent law on decommunization. Ukrainian developers have come up with the revolutionary system of GPS wayfinders that help people with visual impairments to navigate in and around the city. At the moment, this system is being tested. The devices have been installed in one of the most intricate underpass for the blind right in the center of Kyiv, Maidan Zalezhnosti. I am here and need to find an entrance to the underpass. I have a phone with a pre-installed application called Open World. Igor Kushnir is the first to test that system for the blind. He has not been able to see for already eight years in the underground passage under Independence Square, where even sighted people can barely navigate. The man is launching this application. The program scans trackers nearby. By Bluetooth, it sends a signal, and a tracker makes itself visible. Then I can hear a tracker and go there. In such a way, Igor manages to get to the post office on the Maidan. Only these exits from the underpass are equipped with such trackers so far. It is a Ukrainian invention. Ivan Selesnyov from Mykolaiv created it, and the discovery quickly became sensational amongst designers. Since then, programmers have been improving on the idea, and it's undergoing technical trials. Six hundred trackers have already been ordered by other cities. The success lies in its simplicity, a Paralympic sportsman Vasil says. He is demonstrating how the system works, not knowing his surrounding, he can easily reach places he needs. Ukrainians with side problems called invention a revolution in their world, yet Ukrainian cities for them form a solid obstacle course. Only in the capital, there are 70,000 people with visual impairments that try not to leave their homes because of inaccessibility of places. After a successful test, trackers are planned to be equipped along the whole street of Khrushchev. In order to equip Khrushchev Street, we have already developed a draft budget of $2,580 for 89 trackers. If mass production of these trackers is established, the price of one tracker won't cost more than $16, according to the developers. The Kyiv authorities promised to equip all municipal facilities and institutions with a GPS navigation in the near future, and they will be marked on a map and available for the application. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's Ukraine News Roundup for this edition of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. 
To hear more news from Ukraine today, check all of this week's editions of Nasholos at www.nasholos.com. And for their full roster of breaking stories, as well as interviews, press reviews, and in-depth analysis on Ukraine, follow Ukraine Today on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and their live blog, uatoday.tv. Вислухайте радіопередачу «Наш голос» радіо Кринського Коріння на багатомовній радіостанції АМ-1320 CHMB у місті Ванкувері, говорить Павліна. You're listening to «Наш голос» Ukrainian Roots Radio on AM-1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Павліна. Іде, іде чорна кура додому Причина додому Зайшла мені чорна кура дорогу Іде, іде чорна кура додому Не заважай, не заважай подорозі нікому Іде, іде чорна кура додому Не заважай, не заважай подорозі Причина до густу, знайшовши я вишиваною густу. Ой, чи мила, чи не мила і шила, Лемеона, лемеона, вишиваною била. Ой, чи мила, чи не мила і шила, Лемеона, лемеона, вишиваною била. Чинарі, 
And a group out of Edmonton that goes by the name of UB, which nobody knows what it stands for, including perhaps the group. If they do know, they're not telling. I think it's Ukrainian boys, but who knows? doesn't matter. It's a great group, and that is from their first CD, which is called Hardwood Harmonics. The song was Yaki Show Yaz Debrechena, also translated as Black Chicken Stew. Coming up next is a group from Ukraine called Veseli Musica, which means happy musicians. And here they are with a song called Koleb Menezeranku. And this is a title that sort of loses in the translation. Loosely, it's in the morning. Oh, 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 
Бойся зіло, коби в розлетіло, чи варене, чи печене, просто з'їв би і смажене, пили ми водиці з чистої криниці, чи зганяти, чи зманяти, аби хто приніс до хати, пили ми водиці з чистої криниці, чи зганяти, чи зманяти, аби хто приніс до хати. And now a look at world politics, courtesy Radio Europe, Radio Free Liberty, and the Power Vertical podcast with Brian Whitmore. Hi there, I'm Brian Whitmore, host of the Power Vertical podcast, and this is the Daily Vertical. Vladimir Putin may have been quick to congratulate Donald Trump on his victory in the U.S. presidential election, but I'm not so sure they're popping champagne corks in the Kremlin right now. And I'm pretty sure members of the Russian foreign policy establishment aren't unanimously rubbing their hands in glee. Because for much of the U.S. election campaign, the working assumption of many Kremlin watchers was that Vladimir Putin's regime wanted Donald Trump to win the U.S. presidency. I've never been entirely convinced of this, and I'm not now. What I always believed the Kremlin was doing with moves like the DNC hack and other interventions in the U.S. election was trolling American democracy and trying to cause voters to lose faith in the process. The Kremlin and the Russian foreign policy establishment may not like Hillary Clinton, but unlike Trump, they saw her as predictable. Putin and company expected her election, but they wanted her presidency to be hobbled from the start. They wanted a messy and contested election result that would allow them to say American democracy is not as clean as it claims to be. What they got instead was a clean, clear, unambiguous, and uncontested result. And what they got was an unpredictable U.S. president who may just turn out to be more than Moscow bargained for. I'm Brian Whitmore, and that was The Daily Vertical.
friend Alexei Kerekeshchai, lead man of the group Fata Morgana, with a traditional Ukrainian folk song, Oyupoli Nevka, in the cornfield. And up next, a young group from Winnipeg called Molodsi. And surprisingly enough, that happens to mean young people. Here they are from their second CD of traditional Ukrainian favorites. And Oi Chorna, Yes Chorna, I am a dark eyed beauty. week in Vancouver's Ukrainian community. Next Friday, enjoy a pierogi supper at the Ukrainian Community Society of Ivan Franco in Richmond. The hall is located at 5311 Francis Road, between Railway and Number 2 Road. Doors are open from 5 to 7.30 p.m. For more information, call the Society at 604-274-4119 or visit them online at www.ivanfranco.ca. If you're in Richmond on Saturday and miss the pierogi supper, you can still stock up on traditional Ukrainian food, cabbage rolls, pierogies, kubasa, and sauerkraut at the Ukrainian Community Society of Ivan Franco, 5311 Francis Road, between Number 2 Road and Railway Avenue, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. every Saturday. 
On Wednesdays, catch Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio broadcasting live from Nanaimo to north and central Vancouver Island, the Gulf Islands, the Sunshine Coast, northwest Washington State, and in the greater Vancouver listening area. Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific Time on CHLY Radio Malaspina, 101.7 FM on the radio dial and streaming online at chly.ca. Nasholos now airs in international syndication on the PCJ Radio Network, broadcasting weekly on AM, FM, and shortwave radio to over 20 countries. Information and podcast links on PCJ Radio at www.pcjmedia.com. And at 6 p.m. on Saturday evenings, flip your radio dial right back here to AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver or catch the live stream at am1320.com. And join me for another hour of fun on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. In between broadcasts, make sure to follow Nasholos and me on Facebook and Twitter. And for audio archives, transcripts, podcast feeds and more, visit our website at www.nasholos.com. And a fabulous group from Ukraine called Leonok, and that is a song called Oinerosti Kropke, Grow Not Dill. Slowing things down a little bit, Andre Penchishin up next with Staromodny Vals, Old Fashioned Waltz. Сьогодення моє ти горбати, ренегати проводять дебати. Філософствують конфедерати, проповідують дегенерати. Римотворці римують закони, миротворці ладують канони. Іновірці купують ікони, іноземці друкують купони. Дисиденти йдуть в президенти, імпотенти йдуть в дисиденти. Вигортали старі документи, вже бували подібні моменти. 
Welcome to Knishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, Ukrainian stories in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, we look at two books by Vancouver author Miroslav Patriu. Miroslav Patriu's Yaroslav's Treasure and the sequel, Yaroslav's Revenge, explore the current political and economic situation in Ukraine as well as the history of a nation ravaged by invaders for hundreds of years. Perhaps the most remarkable aspect of these novels is the writer's extensive research and insight into Russian influence in Ukraine. The current crisis in Ukraine was no surprise to Petriu, since he predicted it in his two novels. In the prologue to Yaroslav's treasure, Batu Khan is attacking Kiev, in 1240. In order to save the great library of Yaroslav the Wise, Ratibor, the leader of the Ukrainian warriors, seals it in an underground cave. It will stay hidden until 2003, when another Yaroslav, a Ukrainian-Canadian university student from Vancouver, discovers an ancient family treasure in Lviv. The treasure is a chronicle written over 750 years ago, detailing the location of the priceless lost library. Yarko's every move is watched by Russian agents who want to recover the great library for their own political purposes. While all of this is going on, Yarko falls in love with Ksenia, whose brother Vlotko is a policeman helping Yarko to find the treasure. As the quest unfolds, Ukraine experiences political change during the controversial election of President Yushchenko and the Orange Revolution, which tries to overthrow Ukraine's sham independence and staged democracy. Yaroslav's Revenge is the sequel to Yaroslav's Treasure. The political intrigue and non-stop action continue. It is now 2006, and Yarko is in Lviv working for Halimpex, the world's largest producer of glass Christmas tree ornaments. He acts as a courier for a clandestine organization fighting Russian influence in Ukraine. In the political sphere, Viktor Yanukovych has become the prime minister as the Orange Revolution slowly unravels. Yarko is determined to return the 11th century map of Vineland discovered in the great library of Yaroslav the Wise to Canada. Then his boss, Bogdan Dachko, is assassinated. Yarko gets involved in a complex web of intrigue which involves the KGB, the Mossad, nuclear weapons, Ukrainian government corruption, the Russian Black Sea Fleet, and drug smuggling. Historical figures such as President Yushchenko and his wife Katerina, Alexander Litvinenko, Vladimir Putin, and Stephen Harper appear alongside Petrio's fictional characters, making this highly suspenseful novel more realistic. Miroslav Petrio is a gifted storyteller who gives readers amazing insights into Ukrainian history and current events. He also provides a window into the reality of being a young Ukrainian-Canadian. As Yarko considers visiting Ukraine on his European vacation in Yaroslav's treasure, Petrio tells readers, 
Yarko was boiling over from all the subtle pressure a young Ukrainian feels all his life. Learn the language, sing the songs, read the books, find a Ukrainian girl, and so on. Miroslav Petriu is a retired engineer who has a passion for history. He was recognized for his work in the Ukrainian community with the Taras Shevchenko Medal in 2008. His first novel, Yaroslav's Treasure, was originally written in Ukrainian and was awarded the Anna Pidruchny Award for New Writers in 2002. It was published in English in 2009. His second novel, Yaroslav's Revenge, was published in 2012. Each novel contains a series of very informative maps, as well as a comprehensive glossary of terms. The Orange Revolution and the events of the Maidan awakened many Ukrainians throughout the world to their history and the reality of Russian influence in Ukraine. Miroslav Petriu's two novels, Yaroslav's Treasure and Yaroslav's Revenge, should be required reading for everyone who wants to learn more about Ukrainian history and current events. These books are available at Amazon, Chapters, and Kuta Uma. Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. from right here in the Fraser Valley, our own Ukrainian prairie band featuring Gladys Andreas and friends with Oipid Hayam Hayam in the Green Grove. Nezhami vshaskin chile nasho protamo vshichastu domo vizkazate do pabachinya, ale peritemya khotjuzalashite vastikima slovame mudroste. Krasche i lekshe davate jak vidkohos shtos distate. And our proverb of the week translates as it is better and easier to give than to accept. And that about wraps it up for another edition of Nash Holos. So to take us to the end of our, of our program, Dennis Lushinsky and the Parkland Pioneers with Yebek Doma. I'm Pavlina on behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320. Thanks for listening and Dobranich. <laughs>
יד הקורות, את איזה שוד הפקה, הקורות והסתגזלה, כי לדעתם Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.